Enlightened podcast. I am Michelle Price, the Lightworker. It is so nice to be here. And normally I'm joined by Rebecca, but as I mentioned last week, she's got a lot going on, school holidays for children. Um, there is definitely no hours left in the day um, after all of that. So giving Becca a little bit of a break and um, I will be coming to you solo uh, for the first time, actually, since I started podcasting. However, my background in radio is um, means that I'm quite able to talk the ears off a donkey. Now, um, I am going to be talking about an amazing book that I'm reading or listening to an audio book at the moment. A really great book. But um, before I get into that, just want to talk about, I guess, some of the lessons, some of the things that, um, you know, have been sort of coming up for me and some of those, um, you know, takeaway messages. And I will also draw a card from uh, probably my Esther and Jerry Hicks. I'm just leaning over here to get that one. Um, so Esther and Harry, Jerry Hicks ask and it is given cards. So just getting a bit of a message for you to take through your week after you listen to this podcast. But I did mention in the last podcast that I did get a couple of new card decks. So I used Gateway of Activation or Gateway of Light Activation by Carl Gray last week. And Beyond Lemuria Oracle Cards, um, I also bought those Easy Ivy. Two really great decks, highly recommend. Um, I haven't used the Beyond Lemuria or uh, Gateway of Light Activation in my readings yet, uh, but I fully intend to. So yeah, two great card decks. Um, but I guess, you know, one of the takeaways that I have been really coming to terms with, one of the things is that I did an amazing interview with a lady called Grandmother Mulara. Um, she's an Indigenous elder, very, very wise, fabulous lady. I will put her contact info into the show notes. I'm just going to make a note for myself to do that. So Grandmother Mulara, and um, she is just exceptional. And it was wonderful to interview and have the opportunity to speak with someone like that with all that wisdom. And it was interesting when we connected because she actually said to me, um, you know, we know each other, we've already met. And I said, no, Grandmother Malara, we haven't. Um, I'm sure I don't know you. I am very good with our faces, but I do know that in a lot of my readings, people feel like my energy is familiar when I meet them because we've met in a previous life. So probably um, I would say it's, it's something to do with that. Um, I do know um, quite a few members of the Indigenous community where I live on the Sunshine Coast and a little bit outside of that. I have clients, um, Indigenous clients in different states um, around Australia as well. But uh, definitely didn't feel like I'd physically met her here. Uh, but yeah, she mentioned during the interview a few times that she felt like my energy was very familiar. But basically what I wanted to say around that is that Grandmother Malara is fighting for native title. She's fighting for the rights of um, Indigenous Australians, which I love. And um, she's actually doing her law degree. So she is uh, in her 60s. I think she said she was only 65 when she graduated from law. And she's doing this because a lot of those people don't have law degrees themselves. They're sitting there trying to understand, you know, a lot of the jargon, legal jargon. And uh, there's a lot of red tape and a lot of confusion and smoke and mirrors. And so she's doing the course so that she can actually help other people, you know, give them advice and um, help them understand what they need to do. So I just have a lot of respect for this woman. Um, she was absolutely amazing. She will feature in Rebirth magazine. And, um, and I'm writing that article up very, very soon this week, in fact. Uh, but it won't appear till uh, January, February. So Rebirth magazine is part of Spiritual Events Directory. And I write for their um, uh, mag and also do their Facebook Lives uh, once a week too. So Grandmother Malara, um, definitely check her out. I'll put her contact details into show notes. And I actually forgot to write that down. I got my little notepad out and everything. Uh, my cat's on the table being very helpful at the moment. Thank you, Joy. Grandmother Mulara. 
um, and I'll put her contact info and the Oracle cards as well. So the Oracle cards that I'm using um, are Esther and Jerry Hicks asking it is given. So I always put uh, the decks that I'm using each show or that I mention um, into the show notes. So the card that I got today for you, um, if you're listening from home uh, or in your vehicle, wherever you are, only I know what is appropriate for me. So that's the name or uh, the words on the card. Only I know, highlighted, what is appropriate for me. And there's a beautiful woman with very long sort of auburn colored hair. She's holding what looks like a little budgie, a little blue budgie on her hand. And she's sort of looking down. Uh, there is a number on the card, which is 11. So four and seven, 47. Uh, that adds up to 11, which is a master number, of course. And that for me is a lot around life purpose. Uh, the one. One is also standing strong, new beginnings on its own. Uh, but when you double that, I find that that's a lot to do with get into uh, gear, gear um, and get going with your life purpose. So the meaning on this card is when you remember that everyone who asks is given, then how wonderful and appropriate it is for you to make the choices for you. For the universe operates much more efficiently without a middleman interceding on your behalf. You always know in the moment what is best for you. So I'll just read that again because it's quite an interesting one. When you remember that everyone who asks is given, then how wonderful and appropriate it is for you to make the choices for you. For the universe operates much more efficiently without a middleman interceding on your behalf. You always know in the moment what is best for you. So it's not relying on others to do that for you. It's not relying on others to ask for you, to pray for you. It's, um, you know, that's helpful as well. But you really need to figure it out yourself. And that's about that internal reflection. So having a look at what you need, what you want, what you're trying to bring in, um, and then asking, you know, thank you in advance and let it go. That's why the cards deck is asking it is given. Um, so hopefully that all resonates with you listening out there today um, to this show. And we're going to jump into a new earth. So it's three waves of volunteers and a new earth. That is the theme for today. And, um, you know, I find that this one is, it's been life-changing for me having listened to it. Um, it's, you know, a lot of stuff that I've been talking to other lightworkers about is coming out in this. And this was written some time ago. I think on the uh, website I saw it was 2011. It may have been published. And um, so that's what I'm listening to at the moment. Now, um, Dolores Cannon is quite famous. She was a very well-known hypnotist, but she took her clients a lot deeper than other people did. And um, I've got a few friends and clients who are either hypnotists um, or, you know, psychologists or regressionists, you know, and getting into that human psyche is a big part of what they do. Um, but also taking people's on people on journeys and maybe getting some of those um, visits to Acacia Records happening um, and or bringing back parts of your soul, which is a lot of what regression is about. Uh, maybe doing a bit of lineage he healing or clearing, um, helping out past lives, you know, clearing past lives and things too. So that's what we're sort of looking at with Dolores. Now, Dolores was um, a hypnotist. She was a bunch of other things as well. Um, she doesn't say that she is psychic when she was alive. She never sort of claimed to be psychic or anything like that. Now, the information she was getting was from her clients who were going very, very deep into hypnosis. And then sometimes they were recalling lives where they had been, I guess, in alien form. Um, they'd been traveling to other galaxies. Um, they remembered being trees, parts of the earth and soil. So it's just a very, very interesting concept and something that I can definitely relate to. Um, and that's why I've made a few notes in my phone here that I'm going to talk about today. So what she talks about, um, as I said, is the three waves of volunteers. So that's actually in the title. Um, and so without giving too much about the actual book away, 
what she's um, saying here is that there's a bunch of souls that came in and now those guys, I think she was saying, are largely in their sort of um, 60s and 70s, um, that first wave of volunteers. They were sort of the instigators. They were the ones who were doing a lot of the work um, and, you know, going around and trying to make some improvements and sort of help the planet, um, you know, heal the planet. So those guys are, yeah, 60s and 70s. There's a second wave of volunteers as well, which is my age group. So it's sort of mid to late 40s into the 50s. And these guys sort of affect people with their energy more so. So in the last episode, if you listened to the previous episode, I was talking about how I would, um, I had gone riding with my husband and every time we sort of stopped and he left me to go and do something, someone would come up and start talking to me and he would come back and we'd be best friends and exchanging phone numbers and stuff like that. And I've always found that people have been very drawn to me. Um, we also mentioned that episode, I was sitting at a park bench with um, Jason um, or like a barbecue table and a couple kind of came up and sat very close to me. And there were other, you know, benches, there was other tables I could have sat at, but they actually came and sat right next to me on the same seat. And my husband really had a coronary because obviously with COVID and, you know, distancing ourselves and having masks on, I was eating my lunch. So I actually didn't have a mask on either. So um, it's just interesting, isn't it? How our energy, you know, people sometimes are really drawn to us or they're not. So the second group of volunteers is basically affecting others with their energy. So for me, that makes a lot of sense because people are always commenting, you know, Michelle, I love your energy. I like to be around you. It feels nice. Um, so I actually don't have to do a hell of a lot apart from that. You know, obviously I'm putting myself out there. I'm doing readings. I'm putting myself out there, you know, on social media, I'm doing Facebook lives and uh, all of that. But um, really it's just kind of being around people is, is what's needed for me um, in my sort of voluntary role. Um, if you believe in that concept. So there's another group of volunteers, a third group, and that is people who are now aged in their 20s and 30s. And so they're the younger ones coming through. Um, we do have children, obviously, that are coming through below that, um, but this is a sort of concept that we're talking about in this particular book. So the third wave is in their 20s and 30s and, um, yeah, a little bit younger, maybe a bit fresher, new ideas, um, you know, good ideas, innovation, you know, creation, uh, invention. Um, so thinking outside the square a little bit, hopefully. So we have um, many generations in that, really, um, included in that group. But um, that's, that's, I guess, the concept of her book. And then it gets into, I guess, the new earth component of that. And this is something that definitely a lot of the light workers agree on, that um, everything is sort of shifting and changing. We know that the frequency of earth is changing. She's moved up into the frequency of the throat space at the moment. So we moved it from heart into throat, uh, the frequency of the earth. And um, the earth was vibrating at 432 hertz um, prior to that. So um, the idea with this book and, and what I really love about it is A, that it's very relatable, but also, you know, Dolores is kind of just the middleman. You know, she's listening to her clients who have this amazing wisdom because they're tapping into often the subconscious. So she relates to the subconscious, refers to that a fair bit um, and breaks that down to the SC in the book. And um, so initially she kind of communicates with the person um, so in that sort of hypnotized state, then she gets into the subconscious and talks more about what this person may need, what their life purpose is, what they're here for, um, anything they need to know. Um, she goes through the human for the past lives and, and stuff like that as well. Um, but when we get into the alien life forms and that sort of thing, um, sometimes she then asks the SC to sort of clarify and confirm. Um, there was a lady that I was listening to in one of the cases where she was trying to kind of intervene a little bit. So they were talking to, I think, one of her guides and she was sort of jumping in and speaking first person. So generally, if you've got a guide, then they're sort of um, talking about the person by their name. 
Um, you know, this is Sheree, for example. Um, Sheree is doing this. Sheree is doing that. Sheree's life purpose. But when Sheree started speaking first person and was like, I, I, me, that sort of thing. Um, that's when um, I think Dolores sort of intervened and tried to bring it back to, you know, the guide or then getting into the subconscious, the SC. So it's very interesting to listen to. And a lot of um, hypnotists, which I didn't realize, don't take people into that deep hypnosis, that deep state of hypnosis, but she does. So she does investigate a lot of um, extraterrestrial, you know, star sea kind of concepts. Uh, but also, as I said, people who are, you know, being reincarnated as just energy, living in different life forms, um, rocks, trees, um, and eventually with trees, because I mean, trees do live for a really long time. Uh, one of the clients was sort of saying that she was in this tree for a certain period of time and then she just came out of the tree. So it was like her energy kind of melded and became part of that. And then when she was done with that experience, she came out. Um, and I do remember being a tree. I don't remember sort of coming out or the length of time that I was in the tree for, but um, I do remember being a tree. And I remember that very vividly. It came up in a deep meditation that I did um, in a group sort of setting. So I can relate to that personally. And she was sort of talking about the idea of really just feeling like you're sort of atoms and, you know, almost merging your energy, you know, with the, the wood, which is the tree, which is a living, you know, plant, uh, but also dirt, soil, rocks and things as well. So it's um, quite an interesting concept if this isn't something that you've sort of considered before. Um, but, you know, we do look at the dimensions with this as well. So Dolores goes into that a lot because different people, um, you know, are traveling in different dimensions and she's sort of aware of, you know, okay, you've gone into some different area. Um, and then the memories are raised. So, you know, when we go traveling um, or we come into this body, you know, as a little soul, um, we obviously have a lot of memories. There's a lot of things that we've done before. And, um, and the idea of that is that that is erased. So you come in with, you know, fresh mind. Um, you don't realize your connection to the star seeds um, and extraterrestrials and, um, and otherwise, you know, wherever, wherever else you may have come from, um, all those past lives. But, you know, then we have, um, you know, growing up as a child, I remember, you know, my past lives, um, not all of them, but I'd have flashbacks where a past life would come up and, um, you know, and I would be like, oh, okay, what's this? What's this about? Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting how that can happen as well. Um, where the past lives can sort of recur and that can be night terrors in some kids. They may remember things um, that are very painful. They may remember their death in a previous life and um, that's where the kids can get terrified. But generally speaking, that's a um, past life where remembering. I'm just going to um, have another sip of water. <clears throat> I just had something to eat and it's getting stuck in my throat. So what are the things with um, the three waves of volunteers and a new earth that I wanted to talk about to start with? is that a lot of people who are part of this group have very early me memories. And when I say part of this group, I also mean people who are from that sort of star seed, maybe Atlantis, Lemurian sort of realm. A lot of us who are more, you know, we've lived a lot um, of etheric lives. We have a lot of early memories. So I remember being in nappies. Um, I do remember, you know, sitting under a table in my parents' house at the time where I was born. And I was in nappies and I was looking around. I remember, you know, the layout of the house, where everything was, where the back door was, the whole lot. And I was sitting in the dining room under a dining room chair. I remember very vividly looking out the um, back door. I was sitting there quietly. I wasn't crying or upset or anything. And I described that house to my parents and I never saw it as a, as a you know, um, five-year-old or four-year-old. We left when I was um, three. So you're really not forming too many memories at that point. And we moved to Sydney. So I hadn't seen any photos of that house. And I had described that 
house to my parents, the layout and stuff. And um, they said, there's no way you could remember that. And I said, yeah, I do. I remember being in nappies under the dining room table. It was here. I was looking out the backyard. It looked like this. And they were like, I can't believe that. And that memory, you know, even as I talk about it, I can still see that. I can still see myself in my body, looking at my nappy, looking out the door. Um, so I do have very early memories. When I was around about three and we'd moved to Sydney at this point, so that was a big upheaval. Um, we left our family and it was dad working very hard. He was working um, around the clock. He actually ended up having a nervous breakdown. He was working in the bank and uh, teaching at uni and mum wasn't working. So he was supporting the family and um, he had a nervous breakdown when he was in his uh, 30s, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but he did come through it okay and, um, and is fine today. But um, yeah, you know, that's, that's what happens when you uh, run yourself to the ground. Uh, but anyway, when I was about three, I remember being in the new place and I looked out the window and I was looking at the stars and I thought, I'm not able to go back there. It was like someone said to me, Michelle, you're not coming home. I think I was really upset and I you know, had moved and there was a lot going on. And I was only about three, three and a half. And I remember looking out the window and I was just like, please take me home. And they're like, no, you're staying here. You've got to stay here. This is your life. And I was devastated. And I remember being really aware that that was home. I remember looking out the window and thinking, but that's my home. And I didn't like my body. And it's not that I had, um, you know, issues with, you know, being fat or, you know, any of that sort of physical stuff. It was more that I just didn't understand this physical body. I wasn't used to being etheric. And I just couldn't understand what this thing I was carrying around was. It was like a meat suit, you know, for me. And I remember that very vividly and quite a few of my clients, especially the young ones have said similar things to that where it wasn't so much that they had, you know, um, an eating disorder or, you know, they thought they were ugly. It was just that they couldn't believe that this was their, their lot in life, that they had to carry this body around to do the heavy kind of learning down here on earth because it is a lot heavier vibrationally speaking. So, um, you know, I definitely remember feeling that way. And then I remember going through a real, period of just trauma and just being really upset, crying for no reason, just being really upset. And I guess, you know, some people describe that as a terrible twos. Um, and I could have even been a little bit younger, but I think it was after we moved to Sydney because I was three when we moved. Um, and I just remember feeling very stuck and very trapped and um, quite upset. So, you know, I think up until that point, I thought I could kind of go back, you know, back into the uh, galaxies. So, um, that, you know, realization sent me into a bit of a spin and I remember going to school, you know, and that's a couple of years after that, you know, when I was about five going to sort of kindy and prep and preschool and then into year one. And I just remember, you know, never really feeling like I fit, fitted in, uh, not really feeling kind of normal, feeling a bit different. Um, I got picked on a lot. It was, um, yeah, just really hard to be social and to feel confident in that. I didn't have any siblings. So I grew up with um, just myself. So I didn't really have anyone to emulate. There was no one older than me. You know, sometimes it helps to have an older brother or sister around uh, to look at um, and look up to, but I didn't have any of that. Um, and yeah, as I said, mum was sort of a stay at home mom and, and there were challenges there as well. So um, it was really challenging, I would have to say. And as a result, or I don't know if it's as a result, but that's where I sort of turned to spirit a little bit because I just felt like I couldn't really rely on humans. And so I um, turned to spirit a little bit more. So that's where my spiritual background came from. And then I started to sort of see energies around me and they were very protective. And whether they were extraterrestrial or whether they were, um, you know, past of loved ones or ancestors, uh, I don't know, because one of the ladies didn't have any sort of features. She didn't really have any details on her face or hands or anything like that. She was quite blank. 
Um, and, you know, I guess that's why I wasn't terrified, which is probably a good thing. Um, but that's when I started to connect to real spirit and, um, and also adults. You know, I felt like I couldn't really talk to people my own age. I thought they were all pretty stupid um, and that sounds terrible. But I just felt like I really couldn't relate to anyone in my peer group. And uh, because I felt like an adult, I felt like a grown up already. I felt like an elder, um, to be honest. So I connected to adults a lot more. And I know a lot of you listening will um, relate to that as well. Uh, I don't believe in small talk. I'm very much just get to the point. Let's talk about it. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Um, Who are you about? What are you about? You know, I just like to be very involved in that way. So um, there was a lot of shock, I think, um, for me, having chosen this life. And in terms of Dolores Cannon's book, you know, a lot of this is what she was sort of talking about, you know, with her clients where uh, a lot of them struggled, a lot of them get a lot of health issues. Um, I have had, you know, digestive issues in the past and I've really worked through that and I feel like I'm out the other side largely, but it will be something that I'll maintain for the rest of my life because it's, um, or manage because uh, it's all emotional stuff. So um, relationships have always been very challenging for me as well, um, as I sort of mentioned with school and then, you know, relationships beyond school. Um, but that, you know, I think is my lot in life. I think that's my, you know, part and parcel of what I've sort of come here as a soul to do. So Dolores's book sort of examines that where the uh, soul comes in with the guardian angel, they've got their book, they've got all their little things that they're supposed to be doing. And then they wipe our memories. So we can sort of go through and remember that. And we don't have any preconceived ideas and, um, and that sort of thing. However, um, some of us do manage to recall those things as we grow in life, um, grow a little bit older. Um, and from time to time, those things will come to the surface and we'll start to remember. So, you know, um, one of the great things about Dolores's um, book, Three Waves of Volunteers and the New Earth, is that A, she gives us sort of the purpose, you know, as we go through and listen to it, I really felt like there was quite a few case studies where I could relate personally. And I thought, geez, yeah, I really get that person. I really feel what they're going through. Pardon me. And that's sometimes good because it means that you feel like you're not alone. But what's interesting about the healing aspect of it as well is that um, through the hypnosis that she does, because she got, takes them very deep and she connects to the guides and the subconscious, she actually does healing. So she takes them into that really, really deep state and then she um, programs or asks the subconscious um, and or guides that are around to heal the body um, that she's working with. So they go through and a lot of this healing is instant. You know, they go through and they explain what they're doing, doing some cellular, doing some DNA work um, and all working on cysts and, you know, tumors and things like that. And then people are walking out and they're not sick anymore. So I think she'd worked on someone who even had leukemia um, and they came out and the doctors were like, we can't explain this. So there's instantaneous healing happening in this realm as well, um, which I just think is absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, she also talks a fair bit about karma as well. So um, some people come in and they've sort of worked on all their karma and then they come back in their teachers. So I guess you look at Mother Teresa and, um, you know, Princess died and I, she did have a bit of karma, but she was also very inspirational and a bit of a leader. But um, yeah, Mother Teresa is probably a good example um, of someone who looks like they had cleared a lot of their karma, maybe the Dalai Lama, but I do feel like there may be some karma in terms of China, Tibet, you know, the relations there. Um, so, you know, it's very interesting, but ultimately we are, you know, still human down here. Um, so that's the idea is that some people have actually cleared their karma. And what I've noticed in my work now is that those who haven't, that they're still working through the karma, a lot of them are coming to me to do that. You know, a lot of them are asking for past life lineage karmic clearing to happen. So that's actually really, really exciting. And um, we can do that through healing as well. So, um, that's very much covered in, uh, Dolores's book. Um, so the other thing that I took out of her book, which I found, um, you know, really relatable is that, um, she talks a lot about, um, 
you know, the other beings um, that, you know, I didn't know too much about. I haven't had, I guess, a lot of UFO encounters personally, but I have heard about it a lot through journalism. Um, there's been a lot of people ringing me up from time to time saying that, you know, they saw lights in the sky, they couldn't explain it. Uh, it didn't look like a plane or anything else. And often I would have people ring me very early in the morning because I started very early as a journalist doing breakfast radio. Um, but they would, you know, give me similar accounts. I'm going to have people, different people ringing from different areas and saying, I saw this and it looked like that. And it was this color and it was this size. And I couldn't really explain that away because if you've got different people who don't know each other ringing you up on uh, very early in the morning and saying they saw these lights in the sky and had this experience, I even had one person tell me they'd lost time. Um, so they'd actually gone out the front to check out a noise and uh, they came back two hours later and their wife was lying in bed terrified going, where the hell have you been? Um, and that person had no recollection of losing two hours, but that actually lost two hours. So um, I had a lot of stories like that in journalism. And that's a lot of what um, Dolores Cannon talks about in her book. Now, the interesting thing, and I was saying before about, you know, having the light workers sort of confirm some things that I've been picking up. And some of this is around, you know, natural disasters. So there's been um, a lot of sort of light workers that have confirmed things that I've seen. And uh, one of them is a big tsunami wave. So I saw a tsunami which flattened uh, Thailand. We know that that happened. Um, and it was in the lead up to sort of Boxing Day that I started to sort of get this sense of this tsunami. And it's interesting because it ties in with um, a previous uh, vision I had around September 11. So leading up to September 11 in 2021, I had a real vision around I had to do an activation. And one of my light language friends, um, she actually came over for a reading and we discussed it and we planned it within days and we actually did it. We did this activation. There were nine women who showed up in the morning, 11 in the afternoon. It was absolutely amazing, 9-11. And it's not something that I'd ever thought of doing because I was like, oh, it's associated with terrorism and it's kind of scary and no one really wants to remember that day and, and stuff like that. But I was like, what if we could change that energy? What if we, you know, because it is, there is a lot of fear. People remember it and they have the things on TV where they sort of recap what happened and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what if we could sort of change that energy and make it more positive and channel it? And so we did this incredible activation. I've got to tell you, it was, you know, light language. It was, you know, sound, singing bowls, um, crystals. It was ceremony, um, you know, drawing art therapy, the whole thing. It was just incredible. And we had this premonition literally in the lead up to 9-11, like, you know, within days we'd organize this thing and we did it. And then, so the next thing was the tsunami and I was doing a reading for a light worker and um, this tsunami sort of uh, thing came up. And this is before, because I'm in Queensland, this is before they opened the borders and announced that there were going to be, you know, different restrictions and things for people to get into Queensland. So that sort of happened. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this tsunami must be sort of, metaphorical where people are coming in in this kind of wave form you know it's like a big wave of new people and maybe new cases which is certainly what's happened so that was um that was the way that that sort of came up for me so but with the tsunami concept um taking that a bit further what i started to see was more vision around the tsunami and how it actually came about and this was all in the up to boxing day which is i think 16 years after the um original tsunami hit so I had this sort of, you know, vision, literally vision uh, during another reading of bubbles forming from under the water. And when I went under the water, plates were shifting. So the um, earth's plates were shifting and causing some, you know, uh, bubbles, you know, on the surface. And that's actually what started the tsunami, uh, the one that hit, um, you know, uh, Benarache, I think it hit as well, and also Thailand. So I didn't realize that. And I was like, oh, okay. So I am seeing like under the water and it does look like a tsunami. 
and maybe like earthquakes, you know, underwater earthquakes, which is essentially what it was. So um, other people, not just myself, other people have been talking about that. And I haven't put anything out publicly about it. I just, um, one of my clients who I actually said that to in a reading, she actually found this reference where all these like uh, workers were saying exactly the same thing about undersea earthquakes, you know, tsunamis. Um, I'd been hearing or feeling a lot about Noah's Ark and sort of feeling like we we're going to have a lot of water over the earth and stuff like that. And very early on in Dolores' book, she confirms all of this. And as I said, this book was written quite a while ago. Uh, these downloads and meditations and things that I'm doing are more recent. Same with the other light workers. Really, since COVID, we've been doing a lot of this um, channeling and, you know, getting messages and visions and things like that. So that's been um, that's been quite life changing. Uh, hearing it in this book that was written quite a while ago, confirming you know more natural disasters, and she did specify that the natural disasters wouldn't be due to global warming or climate change. So she did specify that through her client who was under uh, hypnosis that it wouldn't be to do, we wouldn't be able to explain it away, basically. We wouldn't be able to sort of scientifically say, well, yes, you know, this did this and that did that. And that's why that particular thing happened. So, you know, I'm not trying to scare anyone. I guess I just want to put it out there that, you know, there are quite a few of us who are predicting these sorts of things, you know, more natural disasters. We did have a lot leading into COVID and it's the body's way or not the body, the earth's way of resetting. Uh, when we sort of get, you know, too crazy, too out of control, you know, things are going wrong, there's greed and things like that. Um, I believe that sometimes earth needs a bit of reset. And she talks a lot about through her clients, um, a lot about that sort of, um, you know, concept of the reset and happening through, you know, major floods or disasters, but also through technology. So sometimes we have, you know, you think about the millennium and when I was watching that thing on uh, the tsunami, they were saying it was 2004 when it happened. And they were sort of saying that, you know, we didn't really have Facebook at all then. Um, and this is only 2004. This is like 16 years ago, 17 years ago. Um, didn't have Facebook, didn't have much going in the way of the internet. You know, Google was sort of just coming in, I think. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of technology and people couldn't send SMSs or they maybe not have sent SMSs or they couldn't send videos or images. So they basically, the news guys who are all around the world are trying to get images out of um, Thailand, which is being hit by all these tsunamis to share with their audiences. So they sort of went through the um, story of that on this um, documentary that I was watching, trying to get the images. But you think about that, you know, 16, 17 years later, um, we've got everything. I mean, I'm sitting here, I've got a laptop on the computer on the table that I'm uh, talking into. I've got an iPad sitting next to that on my left. Um, I've got a, you know, a phone that I'm holding onto and I'm looking at my notes. So I've sort of typed away um, into my phone, but you look at the virtual reality, you know, the goggles that you can sort of wear. I think Samsung does those. So, um, you know, electric cars are sort of stepping up, um, solar panels, you know, solar power, uh, batteries, you know, everyone's going around on these electric scooters now. I mean, everything is, um, you know, really advancing very, very quickly. So in her book, she talks about the technology and the beings are sort of communicating that, you know, sometimes we're getting a little bit too far too quickly and um, we're advancing more quickly than they would have anticipated. And that could cause some sort of catastrophe. So sometimes I have these things to kind of slow us down. And if you think about it in terms of COVID, um, it, it makes a lot of sense because people who are ordering cars, caravans, you know, scooters, um, you know, jet skis, you know, all these things that require a silica chip, um, they're not getting them. You know, and I think we took a lot for granted. We used to blame the younger generations for being entitled and wanting everything immediately. But we've got news to it as well. I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's like, you've got to wait how long for what? What's a silica chip? 
Um, it's like, we didn't even know these things existed and you know, all the cars are run on these, you know, they run on computer chips. So if we don't have the, uh, enough silica, if we don't have enough of the mining going on, um, and you also, you know, you look at toilet paper, you know, um, shortages of that trying to get stock and, you know, chopping trees down, you know, to have the, uh, enough of that coming in and, you know, building supplies, you know, the timber for building supplies, which is tree related as well. You know, trees take time to grow, you know, even if it's a plantation and you've got, um, you know, a little plantation there, you still have to plant, you still got to wait, you know, give them time to grow. So all of these things take time. And I think that even myself, you know, we did look at the younger generation um, and sort of, you know, complain about them being very entitled, but we all got that way. You know, I feel like we all got that way. So one of the things that was good with COVID is that it stopped that. It slowed the process down. It got us to actually pay attention to how these things are made, how these things come about and how reliant we've become on computer chips, to be honest. Um, you know, we're not using paper cash anymore. So we're using a lot of FPOS, um, which is also the little microchip, you know, in our card. So you look at that and you pull it apart and um, we're really entangled in there. You know, it's all consuming. Um, you know, a lot of kids, I see a lot of babies and children, you know, going around with their iPads and devices. And, you know, some of us sort of read before we go to bed on, on our iPad or, um, you know, I'm listening to an audio book, but um, I do have physical books. I don't read off my iPad before I go to sleep because um, it's not great for your eyes, but, um, and also not great for your sleep. So, you know, it's about sort of recognizing how much more technology we've got around us. Um, and that obviously is electromagnetic frequency, so EMF, breaking it down. And uh, that's not great, you know, not great for your brainwaves. It does keep you very active. So please remember, if you're listening to this, switch your phone off at night. At the very least, if you need to leave it on, put it on airplane mode. Um, your alarm will still work, I promise. Uh, but airplane just means people can't phone you. Um, if you do, if you are on call and you know you're a paramedic or something like that, um, then maybe keep your phone in the bathroom or you know, sort of not right next to the bed. A lot of people put it right next to the bed. Not great for your brain. Um, it keeps it very active. Um, so uh, I thought that was really interesting. So there were a lot of overlaps, as I said, with the natural disasters, sort of a reset. Um, but also just in general, you know, in the public, um, you know, waiting for these, you know, different things, caravans and things like that. It's made us just more aware that we can't have everything immediately. Um, the other thing that she sort of talks about is, um, you know, the ancestors, um, you know, coming back in um, and some of the cultures, uh, different cultures around the world, natives, you know, um, sort of rising up and finding their voices and a bit of a change in that way. But the other part that I wanted to talk about was that new earth concept that I mentioned before. And I was actually doing a reading for a light worker who's um, an amazing lady. And whenever we have connections, it's, it's always amazing. But she had done a bit of a download the night before and wanted to get some sort of confirmation from me. And she booked the reading previously. She booked the reading, I don't know, um, a week or two beforehand. Um, but it just so happened she did this download the night before. And it was very much in alignment with what I was picking up. So she was amazed and she was really convinced that, you know, this has got to be something, it's got to mean something. And that's generally why people come to me for a reading is to get confirmation. Um, but what I noticed in this reading with her is I saw light workers and they were like gold. They were represented by this gold light. And I noticed how they were moving themselves and shifting. It was almost like watching a game of chess. They were shifting themselves around the planet into different locations. So personally, my husband and I moved to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. There's a lot of healers based here. We moved in 2017 and we just felt like we had to come. Um, I managed to get a maternity contract, got up here, was made redundant um, in 2020 March. Um, but yeah, worked here happily, lived here happily. And, um, and it was great. And it was extended beyond the maternity contract. So everything fell into place for us. And we had tried to move up here previously. We didn't get the jobs. We didn't have the opportunities and obviously wasn't meant to be. So everything in divine timing. But 
I spoke to a bunch of other light workers and they actually said the same thing that they had had the calling they'd felt called um, to come to the Sunshine Coast for the same reason. And um, it was just that calling, I guess, uh, but being of service, you know, helping and healing. And um, it was in the same year. So I actually know a whole heap who moved up in kind of 2016, 17 and a few in 2018. Uh, but it was all within that sort of three year period. And we all felt like we were um, here for a reason. We felt like there was a calling and a reason we were here. And when you think about it, I mean, there's a lot of spiritual places, Glasshouse Mountains, it's all very indigenous, um, Australian up here. So a lot of the names and the culture and the glass house, it's very important in dreaming and dream time. So, you know, we're in this amazing spot with these great ley lines, you know, the energy is incredible. If you go up to Montville, Mullaney, you know, all of those places, Blackstone, um, it's really, really fabulous. Um, and, you know, if you have all these high vibrational light workers here and they're all healers and they're able to get together and do a bit of, um, you know, collective work, you know, sound healings, meditations and stuff like that then we're able to really raise the vibration and almost hold the energy for, I guess, the country and maybe even the planet. So I've been talking to a lot of my clients about sort of doing this, you know, getting together with others, you know, similar like-minded people, um, doing Zoom rooms, getting on Facebook, doing a Facebook Live, and just, you know, talking to people, spreading the word, raising the vibration, holding space, because there's people, you know, in other states that are doing it terribly um, difficult. And also overseas, you know, UK, America, um, a lot of people are really struggling in those locations. So if we have the light workers located in the right areas um, where the ley lines are supportive of that sort of work, um, and, you know, you've got magic places all around the world, um, then, you know, I feel like we're going to get through this a lot more smoothly. I won't say faster, but I'll say smoothly. And, um, and that seems to be a really important part of the puzzle. So what I was aware of is that in that vision, as I said, I was reading for a light worker um, and I did see sort of the light workers and healers represented in gold, uh, in light form, and they were traveling and moving around to these different locations and sort of positioning themselves. They were listening to their calling. Now, what happened was that when they got to the right place, and I guess the time approached and it was the right time, um, you could see them connecting into this grid. And what I became aware of is I sort of zoned out or I sort of um, moved my vision back a little bit, uh, zoomed out, might be the word I'm looking for. Um, as I zoomed out, I could see that they were connecting into this grid and what it looked like was almost like a giant, uh, it was like a web. Um, so maybe like a grid or like even like a microchip, you know, what a microchip looks like with all the little um, trails and paths, almost like a labyrinth. Um, it looked like that. And so these light workers would move to the correct place. It was the right time. And then boom, they've connected into the new earth grid. So I'm describing that as a new earth um, or a new earth grid. So it was absolutely the most beautiful thing ever. And I was describing this to this client of mine and she was in tears and I was in tears because it was like, it just made sense. And it was just, it was just truth. And she was like, I saw this last night, Michelle, and I didn't really know what it was. Um, but I, I did see this and I had this same download, the information you're saying, I can confirm, you know, I picked up all the same stuff. Um, and it was just so beautiful, you know, seeing this. So Dolores actually talks a fair bit about this new earth concept, obviously based on the name of the book and um, what that's going to look like. And she talks about the grid. She actually talks about this grid. So it's not like the earth is, you know, being blown up and sort of, you know, um, reborn or anything like that necessarily. What it is, it's moving into that different frequency or that different vibration. We're moving from the 3D, 4D into the 5D, five dimensional. So that's more etheric, which is getting back into Lemuria, which I mentioned before, and Atlantis and those sorts of cultures um, and communities. 
So we're all sort of understanding this now. So what we're picking up on is very much what this book is picking up on. So very, very similar. So it looks a bit like an etheric body around the earth. So it's almost like it's, um, you know, like we would see our aura, you know, it, it very much looks like that, but it's all sort of gridded. Um, and it feels like all the little pathways are very important. Something's been coming up in my readings a lot, actually speaking about that is ley lines. I mentioned ley lines. And so that's underneath the earth. It's like the earth's um, meridians. You know, if you think about the body meridians, um, the earth has meridians as well. And the ley lines are very important. So if you have um, an area where the ley lines um, aren't crossing in the right place or, you know, there aren't ley lines in that particular area, the energy may be a bit more dirty, a bit lower, you know, heavier. So we really want to be sort of taking into account ley lines. Some people do readings or they have a business where they actually, you know, say that's a good area for ley lines, bad area for ley lines, you know, that sort of thing. So some people actually have a business that way. So the ley lines seem to be very important with Earth's grid. Um, because when you look at the grid, the way that I saw it, um, it does seem like it sort of interrelates. So just keep that in mind. Um, as I said, there are people you can sort of Google and um, who do that sort of thing. So um, these beautiful gold cords um, are actually allowing um, Earth to vibrate higher at a higher frequency. So as we raise, so does she, um, and vice versa. It all kind of goes, you know, part and parcel, hand in hand. Um, so all of us, by doing this, tapping into Earth's grid, um, and this is a new Earth, um, we're actually connecting to source. So as I said, we come from source, return to source. You know, that's how it works. Uh, but source is no judgment, you know, high vibrational, um, you know, unconditional love, all of that. So that's what we're sort of tapping into. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things that the book does mention as well, just around that, um, I just wanted to make the point, was that she mentioned 2012 being significant. And this book, I think I said, was written in like 2011. Um, but I'm wondering if that should have been 2021 and which obviously is the year we've just come out of, um, we're in 2022 now. So I was wondering if it was 2021 because that was sort of, you know, yes, COVID sort of started in 2020 and that was kind of a, you know, a dead year. Um, uh, but 2021, you know, it sort of continued, uh, much along the same lines, but that's when we really got a lot of downloads. You know, that's when I started downloading all about the um, natural disasters and, you know, earthquakes and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was sort of speculating. That's just speculation purely on my part. Um, but I was wondering if that was more 2021 because we're really moving into this, um, this new energy now. So um, the other thing with the book is it does talk about, um, you know, the etheric, which is Lemuria Atlantis. So, you know, I think that moving into the next life, I've got a real feeling that I won't be coming back in human form again, in physical form. Uh, I do feel like I'll come back to Earth, but it'll be more an etheric. Uh, level and I had this real feeling that we have a choice about that so I did have a dream where we can sort of go um, into the next life and say whether we want to be immortal or mortal so we actually um, I feel like we've got a bit of a choice in that so um, that was super interesting just to see that um, but I have been doing a few downloads um, you know and meditations where Atlantis or Lemuria has sort of been coming up in those visions um, I've also seen myself drilling using a diamond drill bit and drilling um, underground so there was um, I became aware of a mine um, underground mine and um, I saw a Merkaba forming um, inside my body and I've actually been seeing that in a few of my healings um, there's more shifting of DNA, um, lineage clearing, um, pyramids are showing up a lot in my visions. I'm saying this because some of you may relate to this. Um, and you know, uh, the rainbows, uh, a lot of color have been coming up. Uh, violet, I use a lot in my healings, um, uh, but the rainbows, um, in general, you know, a lot of color have been, uh, has been coming up a lot as well. So, um, there's a lot of good things coming. I feel like in 2022, 
um, a lot of great things coming out already in 2022. But um, I do feel like a lot of things are harmonizing relationships to sort of evening out a little bit more because um, it's been very up and down. I know a lot of people have been, you know, having terrible, you know, friendship breakups, um, partnerships, relationships, marriages, you know, people having different opinions and sort of um, causing that division. So I want you to know if, if that is you, if you're listening to this and you're hearing that, um, that you're not alone. Uh, you're definitely not alone. A lot of people are going through this. But 2022, I feel like is a lot more um, about the harmony. So we've made those decisions. We've made the difficult decisions around that relationship, not so much serving me. And, um, and then we're moving into better, you know, better relationships. Um, really pay attention. If you're listening to this um, today, and uh, this is a bit of inspiration, I guess, a recommendation for you as well. If you are listening to this, definitely have a listen to the book or read of the book, um, Three Ways of Volunteers and The New Earth. But, um, you know, I want you to just pay attention to your dreams, especially, and write them down. You know, get some amethyst, have the amethyst next to your bed. Um, that's a really good way to um, connect into your higher awareness, um, your third eye as well. It's a third eye um, crystal. Uh, and also pre-night. Pre-night is for dreaming, for premonitions, um, seeing ahead, looking into the future. Um, so pre-night's a great stone as well, uh, but amethyst, excellent for third eye and also the higher awareness. So I'm going to write those on my notes. I'll put um, some links uh, or just maybe some information about them into the show notes as well. So amethyst and pre-night, I love both of them. Um, lapis lazuli is great as well. Um, so that's connecting into throat space. So some crystals have a couple of purposes, um, but it is actually third eye. It's that indigo sort of color, uh, but also connects into the uh, throat space. It represents the night sky and does connect to Egypt um, as well. Uh, it is from other places, but yeah, it is an Egyptian stone. So um, yeah, so in terms of raising a vibration, I guess I was sort of saying before about, you know, the singing bowls, listening to particular hurts. What we're trying to do is get into that fifth dimension. So we don't want to be left behind. I guess I see my purpose as a light worker and a lot of my colleagues agree that we are saving souls. We're getting people to the correct vibration and we're helping them clear that karma. Um, our healings are taking on a new meaning altogether. We're doing a lot of interesting downloads. Um, there's new forms of healing coming about and uh, stuff that we've never seen before. I know my teacher, my pranic teacher is creating um, healings all around the vaccine and the booster. And this is all happening as we go. I mean, this is quite incredible. You know, this is um, spurred on a lot of amazing healing work and channeling. So notice what your dreams are doing, write them down, pay attention, and then your dreams will uh, increase, generally speaking. Uh, but those crystals will help you out a lot with that as well. You know, really fostering those dreams. Um, click what's is great, but don't keep it Anyway, near your bed, it's too high vibrational. Clear quartz is great if you are a light worker like me um, or you want to do card readings to give yourself guidance. Um, certainly keep the clear quartz around, uh, but it's too high vibrational to keep in the bedroom. It's very much like your phone. So it'll sort of pick up other frequencies and vibrations and sort of really channel that around the room. And you definitely don't want that when you're trying to go to sleep. Um, so the other little recommendation I guess I want to leave you with is have a look at more Dolores Cannon books because I know she's got about 40 books from what I've heard and they're all amazing so far. You know, I'm really enjoying listening to the one that I'm listening to. Um, but you know, have a look at that more so, and maybe even yourself go and do some regression, maybe get a session of hypnotherapy, uh, do your research. I know her daughter sort of followed in her footsteps. Dolores's daughter, um, does something similar. Um, she's got into, I think, quantum, uh, science and physics and things too. But maybe go and have a session, um, do a bit of exploring, going your past lives, um, Acacia records, 
you know, we're really, this life is about discovering. It's very, very important period of time. I can't stress that enough because this is all unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. Um, you who are listening to this, you're meant to be here at this moment in time, listening to this. Um, it's all divine timing. Uh, and I'm meant to be here as well. And we're all connecting with the people who, you know, we can work with, who we can help um, to make this place better, um, earth better. And all the young people coming through are incredible. So I have some amazing uh, youth, you know, children being born at the moment who are so wise and so, you know, switched on. And one of the things Dolores talks a lot about in her book is that a lot of these beings that she's communicating with, they talk about not using their mouths. They talk about, you know, using telepathy. So it's more, you know, mind, you know, mind to mind. And I've noticed since, um, you know, COVID sort of started, a lot of my clients and mentorship clients especially have been messaging me and saying, oh, what's going on? I felt this thing or that thing, you know, everyone's sort of feeling stuff more so or getting messages about other people, you know, in the tribe, in our group, um, which is amazing. So really moving into that more sort of, you know, mind, you know, telepathy, which is more 5D really than ever before. And I, I haven't seen it. So it's really accelerating um, at a very quick pace. So this is all positive. You know, this is all great. Um, it's just, you know, we do, do need to keep up. It means that we're going to go through um, a bit of anxiety. We're going to go through big shifts. It can be painful because we're doing a lot of work. And um, at the other side of that, though, is a big awakening. Um, so that's why I love these activation cards, the um, Gateway Light Activation Oracle, Kyle Gray, that I got. Um, so make sure the cards reflect where you're at as well. So if you do have your own cards and you're giving yourself guidance, make sure that you've got the cards that reflect you. It's the same as the crystals. I've got crystals from very early on that I don't really use as much. I've still got them, but I don't use them as much. And I've moved into the high vibrational crystals, Lemurian quartz, you know, clear quartz, um, a very big amethyst. Um, I've got a super seven melody stone, um, which is seven different crystals combined. And that's very high vibrational and very good for mediumship and psychic work. So they're all the kinds of crystals that I work with and I do have premonitions and I do see ahead and have a lot of deja vu. So that's kind of what we want. You know, if you want to have those lucid dreams, that means you're heading more into the fifth dimension, heading out through the galaxy is a good sign of that as well. So we really want to um, stay on track with our dreams and just notice if they are lucid, then that's a good thing. Um, they're the ones you're sort of looking out for. Um, so hopefully that's been informative, um, but Three Waves of Volunteers and The New Earth, such a good book, highly recommend. Uh, can't recommend it enough. And uh, hopefully Beck will be back with us for the next episode. Now, the next episode, just to give you a bit of a sneak peek, um, is called Allowing the Flow. And what we're going to be looking at is basically releasing the reins. So, you know, we're very adapted, um, asking for help. You know, some of us sort of, you know, verbalize that as prayer, you know, putting a little prayer out there, asking for something. Um, but how do we let go? You know, it's an interesting concept. It does tie in a lot with Esther and Jerry Hicks because Esther, you know, in the teachings of Abraham talk a lot about the process of manifesting, which is a lot to do with letting go. So it's, I guess, stepping into that feminine. I talked about that a little bit earlier, stepping into the feminine a bit more. And also last week with Spiritual Warrior, the episode we did last week. Um, so it's more about the water element than the uh, pushing, shoving, solutions, masculine, logical, you know, kind of thought process there. So, my friends, that has been the Living Enlightened podcast. I am Michelle Price, the light worker. I will have a lot of uh, information in our show notes. Make sure to check those out and um, leave us some comments. We love the feedback. You can comment on Podbean and uh, on our Facebook page, Living Enlightened, or you can email us, livingenlightened33 at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week. And I will talk to you again next week.